Hey, everybody, it's JT from Grilling at the Green. John Breaker and the great folks at Birdie Ball have a short time offer for all of you listeners. You just go to birdieball.com, and when you place your order, there's a place on that form for a discount code. Use GATG. That's GATG. Of course, it stands for Grilling at the Green. And you will get 20% off anything you order from birdieball.com. Now, it's a short-time offer. It expires in about a week, so you want to get on it. Go to birdieball.com, place your order, uh, use the code GATG, and get 20% off. You heard it here on Grilling at the Green. This is Grilling at the Green After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hi, everybody. It's JT, and this is a special version of Grilling at the Green. Grilling at the Green is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Grilling at the Green. I'm talking with Keith Hirschland today, whose book you should read if you have an interest in these things, and it's really good. There's great behind-the-scenes stories in this book. It's called Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, uh, Tales of, of the Tube from a Broadcast Brat. Keith is also in a Emmy, Emmy Award-winning sports television producer um, with ESPN, ESPN2, Golf Channel. Um, he's done lots of stuff, and he's one of those unsung heroes of television production. And if, you, and if you've done television like I had, you learn to really appreciate and love these guys because they, they're the ones that make, if you're in front of the camera, they make you look good. Even if it's impossible to do that, as in my case, they still make you look good. So there you go. How's that? <laughs> in, you give us too much credit. You uh, give us too much credit. Uh, it's all good, man. You guys, you guys deserve <laughs> it. Um, okay, I'm going to throw some names at you out of the book, and okay. you get you get to tell any or all parts of those stories. Okay. That, okay. that you want. And, and, you know, don't give everything away because we want people to pick up your book. But um, Dottie Pepper. Now, I will tell you, Dottie's been on the show a couple times. So and I love Dottie. So. How can you not love Dottie? Dottie is she is um, she is the greatest. My my experience, my my experience in golf and golf television um, pretty much runs the gamut with Dottie because. When I first started my career in golf TV, it was with ESPN in the 1990s, early 1990s, actually 1990, and uh, they were, you know, they were responsible for producing all of the. I worked for a production company called Olmeyer Communications, uh, headed by the great Don Olmeyer, um, who was a, a legendary sports production figure, mm-hmm. um, and his company, his production company in Los Angeles had the contract to do all, all of the production for ESPN's golf. And that included PGA tour events, champions tour events. It was, um, I think it was the senior PGA senior tour at the time and the LPGA. So I met Dottie for the first time when Dottie was still in the thick of being one of the fiercest competitors on any golf tour, but especially the LPGA tour as a player. And, you know, it was my job as the associate producer uh, to go out and get sound bites from the players or do interviews or do feature stories or, or those kinds of things. And, and, you know, Dot, you always approach Dottie with a little bit of trepidation uh, when you were out looking for a sound bite or to do a feature <laughs> because, 
Um, if you got Dottie before she was dialed in for the day, she was would do anything for you and spend as much time with you as you needed. If you happened to catch Dottie after she had gotten into her zone of concentration for the day, mm-hmm. you risked having your head bitten off first by her caddy and then by Dottie herself if you interrupted uh, you know her her work for the day. So you know we always uh, we always kind of stood stood back about <laughs> ten or fifteen yards to to kind of gauge how you know where Dottie was in her process before we uh, before we contacted her. And but later um, she was part of the broadcast team that that I was lucky enough to 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 work with and and be the producer for. And uh, there is a one of the things that that Dottie's in Dottie's product uh, television career that she is most known for uh, happened on my watch, and that was the Solheim Cup and the choking freaking dogs comment. And um, you know, Dottie <laughs> took a lot of heat for that, and Dottie took the brunt of the criticism for that. But I can tell you, and I tell the story in the book, it was all my fault. So, uh, you know, we can continue to talk about it if you want to, or we can let, let the folks who want to go out and buy the book, uh, read the story in the book. Let me, let me, let me just do this for you, Keith. You touched on it in the show. Sometimes you've got four different people talking to you in your ear, uh, when you're doing TV stuff and, uh, Dottie had you talking in her ear. And yep. and I think sh- I'll just put it was the perfect um, mimic. How's that? Would that be okay? Yeah, yeah it was the perfect. Yeah, that is that's absolutely true. And you know, to add to the story, it was all. It never should have been broadcast. Yeah, because in in reality, we were ten to fifteen seconds after I made that comment in her ear and in Brian Hammond's ear, Dottie repeated it all 10 to 15 seconds after we were supposed to have been gone to commercial. So, um, which further exacerbated the situation because, (laughs) you know, and, and luckily Dottie didn't repeat exactly what I said. That's true. That's (laughs) true. She toned it down a little bit, uh, you know, the professional that she was and the professional that I wasn't. Um, but, uh, you know, so it all, it was the, this perfect storm of, of, uh, of unfortunate circumstances that came together. And, but like I said, Dottie was the ultimate class act throughout all of it. And, you know, never mentioned the fact that if I hadn't opened my big mouth, it never would have happened. And, you know, I felt compelled to tell the real story in the book. Yep. I, uh, I loved it. I loved it because <laughs> as soon as you started, started down that road in the book, I knew where you were going. <clears throat> and, um, fortunately though, I, when I, when Dottie was on this show, I never brought it up. Okay, so good for you. Yeah, I never brought that up. I did bring up the part about her running from a bear in white pants, and yep. she and she laughed about that. But you know, we'll just let that go. Okay, next next person, Fultzy, Jerry Fultz. He's a friend of the show. Uh, Have a lot of fun with him on social media, and uh, great guy. One of the best, one of the best in the world, and I, and I say that. I mean, he is probably uh, my best 
friend in the entire world. And, uh, he was the, the best man at, at, at my wedding when I was fortunate enough to marry my wife, Sarah. And, um, he and I actually, our history goes way back to, um, the days that he played junior golf. He, he was, he grew up in Southern Nevada in the Las Vegas area. I grew up in, in Northern Nevada in Reno, Lake Tahoe. And, uh, my younger brother, Mark, was really the, the the best player in our family, and he and Jerry competed against each other in junior golf. And uh, so I knew Jerry from you know when he was a kid. So I kind of followed his career. When I got the job at the Golf Channel, we were lucky enough to you know to be able to produce um, four. I think it was fourteen or fifteen Nike Tour events um, in in nineteen ninety five and. One of those events was um, the South Carolina Classic, and Jerry, that was his, we didn't produce, the year before Golf Channel came on the air, Jerry had won that event, uh, so that was his lone um, professional uh, Nike Tour win. So we were televising events, we, you know, I, I, I said hello to a number of players, including Fultzy, and we were in Florida, and all of a sudden, you know, there was kind of a knock on the production door and, and the door opened and in walked Jerry Foltz. And he was kind of, um, you know, I think realizing that his, his career as a professional golfer was, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the decline and was looking for what was next. And he thought what was next might be, you know, a job in, in golf television. And he came in and, and said that to me. And I said, listen, um, we have this guy who is, we were new to the, you know, obviously new to the Nike tour and sure. didn't know a lot of the players. And so the tour had given us somebody who was supposed to sit next to me and help me identify players. And, uh, he, he was a very nice man, but unfortunately wasn't very good at that. So, um, Jerry came along and he was like, you know, do you need any help? And I said, absolutely sit down next to me and tell me who these players are. Cause I had no idea who sure. Dan Ahmad Bateman was, or, you know, PJ Cowan or, you know, any of the hundreds of players that were, that were playing on the tour because we were the first television network that was broadcasting Nike tour events. Right. So Jerry was a tremendous help. And he and I got to talking and, you know, he was at the time, um, I would, I would say, I would describe him as the mayor of that tour. Um, you know, he was, he is, he and Kay Cockrell, and I've said this a million times, um, they, they are such great broadcasters, I think. And one of the reasons is because they are two of the most social people I have ever met in my life. They can talk to anybody about anything for as long as they want. And mm -hmm. you don't have any idea how valuable that is for a producer to have somebody holding a microphone that can carry on a conversation about anything for as long as I, I've had Jerry and Kay in those early days of golf channel, when we were on the air, because the mantra golf channel was, we would never go off the air when there was golf on the golf course. So there were times when I would have Jerry and Kay fill five, 10 minutes with interviews with players, you know, just to fill time. Mm -hmm. And they were, you know, they were 
supremely comfortable doing that. But anyway, Jerry was just, you know, everybody loved Jerry. And I thought, you know, why don't we see how good you can be on the golf course as an announcer? So I put him to work and he started out in uh, at a tournament in Wichita um, working for free for me, basically. We paid for his, you know, hotel room for the week and sure. fed him as a TV compound, but I didn't pay him any money in the beginning. And, um, you know, the rest is kind of history. He's, I think he is, if not the, you know, one of the premier on course announcers in the game today. And, um, I will take a little bit of credit for that, but all the, almost all the credit for that goes to Jerry himself. Yeah. He's a great guy. <clears throat> like I said, we have a lot of fun and, um, uh, you know, now he's with Karen and he's, he's so happy yep. and, yep. um, and ribbing him is part of my week every <laughs> week. Okay. Let's just put it that way. So, you and me both. yeah. So how about, uh, how about Kelly Tillman? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, now you're going to get me in trouble. No, 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 no. Listen, Ke- Kelly, Kelly Tillman and I have, have, uh, a bit of a, a rocky broadcast history. Um, I I have tremendous I have a tremendous amount of respect for Kelly as a person as a professional. Um, she is one of the the hardest. She was one of the hardest working people that I had ever been around um, in the business. Uh, did more research. Did more. Spent more time um, on the computer trying to find stats and information and, and uh, you know, to, to, to be as prepared as she could be for a broadcast than any person uh, I had ever worked with. And she and I had long conversations about that to the extent that, in my opinion, that was a, a detriment to her um, becoming as good a broadcaster as she could be because she was overprepared. And, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, in this business, it's like there are some things you can prepare your rear end off till the cows come home. But there are some situations that you need to be able to react to in an instant and your professional instincts have to kick in right. and that that you, you can't prepare for. And, you know, I would have to tell her over and over again to, you know, put the notes away, look at the monitor, get a feel for the broadcast. And, you know, your job is to be the traffic cop, get the, get the information down to the announcers, get the, you know, get, give the experts, the folks on the group, the analysts sitting next to you, the whole announcer that's also there. They're the ones that, you know, that, and, and this was, you know, my, my opinion of the way I produce, the way I think TV golf should be produced, the, the, the host or the play-by-play person is the captain of the ship is the traffic cop. Mm -hmm. That person shouldn't be responsible for all the statistical information and all the background information on all the players that should be done by the experts, the golfers, the, the, you know, the, the ex pros that are sitting in those chairs that know more about the game. So we butted heads a little bit about that. And then of course there was the incident in Hawaii with tiger and, and the, the, the lynching in the back alley comment. Um, that created a firestorm um, for us, you know, that that first part of that year, I think it was 2008. Um, 
And, you know, unfortunately, you know, Kelly and I, it was like, kind of like oil and water as, as, as good as she could have been. And as well prepared as she always was her style and my style never really meshed. Um, so it was a, it was a, a pairing that, that was, you know, really kind of destined not to work. Um, so, yeah, you know. I get it. Okay. So you're really going to not like this next one, Keith Olbermann. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, Keith Olbermann. Let's let, uh, Keith, let me tell you something. Keith Olbermann will never be invited on this show. Put it that way. Okay. Yeah. So okay. you're among friends here. I got you. Well, and it's funny because when I first met him, you know, I mean, he was, when I first got to ESPN and um, my job at ESPN was to be one of the producers. This was uh, the winter of 1994, January of 1994. One of the producers on ESPN two um, that was responsible for a show called sports night, which was ESPN two's version of sports center. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I first got there, the host of that show was a very unhappy Keith Olbermann and a very happy and wonderful co-host named Susie Colbert. And um, Keith, Keith was, you know, he was an icon at ESPN. You know, he, you know, his, his work with Dan Patrick on SportsCenter and, and all of that stuff was legendary. He was a really intimidating guy. He, you know, you knew from the minute that I walked, I knew from the minute I walked in the door, he had no interest in being part of this um, new project at ESPN called ESPN2. Uh, but, you know, he kind of, as a team player, he agreed to do it. Uh, he didn't last very long. Um, he was, but I tell you, Jeff, he was, he may be one of the smartest people I've ever been around mm-hmm. um, just a brilliant guy but you know troubled to the extent that you know uh, as a non uh psychiatric professional i i couldn't even begin to describe um but i'll tell you the other thing and i tell the story in the book he was the fastest one finger typer i have ever seen yeah. in my entire life yeah, that's amazing. That's it was I was I was mesmerized watching him type scripts with one finger. I type with with the index fingers on both my hands and I'm fairly quick. This guy was like superhuman with one finger. It was amazing. Huh. But he you know, he and I had he and I, you know, we we kept our distance and we got along just fine and you know, probably lucky, lucky for me, he was only involved with, uh, with ESPN two and sports night for, for a couple, maybe a month, a month and a half, um, before he said, I'm done with this and I'm going back to the other side of the fence. There you go. Okay. One, one last one. Uh, <laughs> Scotty Van Pelt. Uh, he is, he, he's a gem, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, my gosh, what a talent. And, uh, you know, he was, he was this this tall, lanky, goofy guy, you know, at Golf Channel in those earliest days. Um, he was he was friendly with um, the coordinating producer of the network, a guy named Paul Farnsworth, um, who 
gave Scott a chance um, to come up and or actually come down. I think he was in Maryland at the time to come down to Orlando and be part of the network. Scott started in the library. He was the guy that that we would go down to, uh, you know, and, and to the library and say, hey, you know, can you get can you pull the tape of the, you know, 1995 Vancouver Open? And he'd go back in the library and, you know, we had all these videotapes of all these tournaments and he'd pull it out for you and you'd sign it out. And, but, you know, deep down he wanted to, you know, he wanted to be on TV and, and the, the COO at the time, again, and Gary Stevenson, um, one day we would get complaints to put it mildly, especially in our tournament coverage. And to a certain extent to the, in the golf central coverage that we get complaints from fans or family members of tour players, because we wouldn't never showed them on TV during a tournament or never mentioned their name on golf central. And Gary was like getting tired of getting all these complaints. So he decided to put a new show on the air called leaderboard report. And it aired at 11 or 11:30 at night, and basically all it was was a rundown of every score from every tournament that was played around the world that week. So you'd sit there, and and they would just scroll the leaderboard, all you know, mm-hmm. 75 or however however many names of the guys that made the cut. And so th- that was Gary's solution to saying to these people, "Well, there's your." son or there's your husband or there's your best friend <laughs> yep. don't you know stop calling and, and complaining to us about we never put your your player on television and the show needed a host and gary grabbed scott out of the library <laughs> and i was there when he brought him into the office and said to scott he said here's the deal there's a new show it's going to be called leaderboard report you're going to be the host and this is what you're going to say you're going to come on the air and say, hi, I'm Scott Van Pelt. This is Leaderboard Report. And then 30 minutes later, you're going to say, hi, I'm Scott Van Pelt. This was Leaderboard Report. And that's the extent of it. Of course, Scott wasn't going to do that. No. Scott had to inject his humor and his brand of, you know, which was tremendous. And, you know, started as the scroll would roll by, he would start to make, you know, silly comments about this player or that player or, this score or that score. And, and, uh, you know, it became inside the building kind of a cult phenomenon that everybody loved. And, you know, Scott, you know, turned that into reporting gigs on golf central. And now, now look at him. He's you oh, know, one yeah. of the, one of the most iconic broadcasters in, <clears throat> in American television. Great stories. Great stories. Yeah. Keith. Yeah. And I will well, Go I add that, um, when Scott was in the, in the newsroom and this was before tiger turned pro tiger had just won his, um, third straight U S amateur ninth straight USGA event. Um, and we were sitting around the newsroom and everybody was talking about, Oh, they can't wait till tiger turns pro and he's going to be the greatest pro ever. And this, you know, all these folks were just singing tiger's praises and me being the knucklehead that I am, made Scott Van Pelt a bet. I bet him a hundred dollars that Tiger Woods would never win on the PGA tour. <laughs> <laughs> so now what are we? 90 some wins later, yeah. 15 majors. And how'd I, how'd I do? How, you know, how good a prognosticator was I? I wonder so if uh, Scott Van Pelt, 
Did Scott frame that that C note for you? I doubt it, but you know we laugh about it when I see him every once in a while. We laugh about it because you know I promptly paid. There you, you know go. that first win in Las Vegas. The next day, I was at at Scott's desk with the tail between my legs, you know, with a hundred dollar <laughs> bill. So. That's great. We've been talking with uh, Keith Hirschland, <clears throat> Emmy Award winning producer uh, for Golf Channel, for ESPN, for game show fame, all this stuff here. <laughs> and uh, Keith's book is, well, he's got four of them, I think, but this one is Cover Me Boys. I'm going in all about his life in television and production. And gosh, Keith, it's been just a great pleasure to talk to you. I've really enjoyed it. Well, it's my pleasure, Jeff. I really appreciate all the time and, and hearing your stories too. It's, uh, you know, it's great to, to, to chat with a, a fellow person that has, uh, <laughs> some intimate details and knowledge about the television business. And uh, I've really enjoyed it you know, and, and all the success in the world for you. And I hope you have everything that you do continues to be uh, stuff that people love around the world. Well, I hope so. I hope so. And thank you for that very much. Um, that's going to wrap it for this week's edition of after hours. We'll be back next week with another one, hopefully until then uh, go out and play some golf and enjoy life. And one other thing, be kind people. Thank you.